Hey, I'm so glad to see you today. We're in part two of a series called God Is Here. I want to start us off with something a little bit unexpected. I was reading this last week, a national survey from Gallup about mental health for Americans. In fact, a friend texted it to me and said, John, you've got to check this out. Because look at this, on average, every American has seen their mental health decline by about 10%. And this includes men, women, Democrats, Republicans, every demographic of Americans with just one exception. There's only one group of people who in the last year have seen their mental health improve by four points. Can you guess who it might be? Totally unexpected from the secular Gallup Research Group. Here's what they found. The one group that has had an increase in mental health are those who attend religious services weekly. That's right. Check it out. Us weekly churchgoers, we've got a 4% increase in our mental health while everyone else has a negative in their mental health. So you know what? The data doesn't lie. If you haven't been joining us every week, join us every week, if only for your mental health. Well, I'm so excited for Christmas Eve. And if this is your first week with us, make sure you join us. We've got an incredibly special service for you. I was getting to preview a life change story that's part of our Christmas Eve service. It's the story of a guy named Eric and his son Christian. And I won't spoil the story. I'm gonna wait for Christmas Eve. You've gotta watch it yourself. But here's what I can tell you. A year ago this time, Eric was homeless. Someone invited him to Connection Point, and God has radically changed his life. While I was watching Eric's interview as he talks about how he met God at Connection Point and how God is changing his life, he said this. He said, quote, I wasn't really thinking about God when he was first invited because I was thinking about where I would sleep. And I understand, Eric, if you don't know where you're going to sleep, how can you be thinking about God or church? And I want to ask you, as you're watching this today, where in your life have you been thinking about some pressing need, like where do I sleep, or how do I fix my marriage, or what do I do in my job, or how am I going to have Christmas? What would the fill in the blank be for you? Where you'd say, it's not that I don't love God, but I just haven't really been thinking about God, because I've been thinking about fill in the blank. You know, we can feel at times like God's not there because our problems are so big. We can feel like God's not present because our problems are so present. Uh, what if I could tell you today where your problems or some other thing is pressing in, it's kind of blocking your view of God. What if I could tell you how to experience God's joy in that area? What if I could tell you how to experience God's salvation? What if I could tell you how to experience God himself in that area of your life? Whether it's your pain, whether it's suffering, whether it's busyness or some other distraction, God has an answer for you today. He wants you to experience his power, his presence, and we find the answer in the classic telling of the Christmas story starting in Luke chapter 2. Let's pick up in verse 4. It says, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem. That's where Jesus was born. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. Well, Mary gives birth to her firstborn, a son. She wraps him in cloth. She places him in a manger. Why? 
because as you know, if you've heard the story, there wasn't any room for them in any of the hotels or in any of the guest rooms. Now, this is interesting because this is the most important event in human history. And I mean that whether you're atheist or Hindu or Muslim or a Christian, no matter what any of us believe, the reality is that our calendar is based on Jesus' birth. That's why it's the year 2020, because year zero is the year that Jesus was born. Here's the most important event in human history, and at this moment, only a handful of people know that it has happened. Joseph knows, Mary knows. Uh, Maybe some of the people who provided a place for them to stay in this little barn and a little manger for their baby, maybe they know. Just a handful of people. And the angels of God are looking down at planet Earth, and they decide, as led by God, who should we announce to? Who should we let know that the Messiah has been born? Look who they pick. It's found in verse 8. It says, there were shepherds living out in the fields. I want you to think about this for a minute. If you were a shepherd today, you would maybe wake up in the morning, get in your car or truck and drive to whatever farm and you'd shepherd for the day or whatever your shift and then you'd go back home. And you'd probably take a shower, you'd get a good night of sleep. Well, these were not those kind of shepherds because if you look closely, it says that they lived in the fields. Can you imagine how dirty these guys must have been? I did a little research to find what does a shepherd look like today who actually lives in the fields. I found a picture. This is a guy over in the Himalayan mountains on the other side of the world, but this is a shepherd who lives with the sheep today. And I love it that it was to a person just like this that God chose to have his angels say, the Messiah is here. And we're gonna see in their words that these angels, they're gonna say, we bring you good news, the Messiah is here. And for those who believe, it will bring great joy. And this Messiah, he's not just for the clean or for the religious or for the put together. He's for the ordinary. He's for the blue collar. He's for all of us. This joy is for all people. I was studying this last week about these very shepherds. And did you know at this time, that the people of God would express their faith by actually offering lambs as offerings in the temple. Yeah, that's why scripture talks so much about the blood cleansing the sin. It's why later Jesus will be called the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But there's a great irony as often happens with institutional religion the priests and others who started to make things more and more formal, they had all these rules. That to come into the temple, you had to be really ceremonially clean. It was like you had to take bath after bath. And so the great irony is this. Uh, The very shepherds who raised most of the sheep who would be sacrificed in the temple, these very shepherds were often barred or banned from entering the temple because they couldn't get themselves to be clean enough. And isn't that interesting? Because if you're anything like me, I know there's times where I feel like I'm not clean enough to be in the presence of God. I'm not clean enough to approach God. And I love that God sent his angels that first Christmas night to the very first people, not just shepherds, but shepherds who lived in the field. And God's point was this, if you feel like you don't belong in the temple, if you feel like you don't belong in the church, the Messiah 
is for you. He meets you right where you are. In fact, God meets us in our most ordinary moments. I love it that for these shepherds being out there at night with their sheep, that was just ordinary. It was as normal and boring as it gets. And then boom, these angels show up. God meets us in our ordinary moments, but he doesn't want to leave us there. He meets us in our ordinary moments. Why? So that he can meet our most extraordinary needs. You know, these shepherds, they had deep, extraordinary needs, the same needs as you and me. Scripture says that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Our sin has separated us from God. That was true of those shepherds. It's true of you and me until we believe in Jesus. And these angels come and they say, Messiah is here. You might not be clean enough to go into the temple, but now the Lamb of God has come to earth. He will shed his blood for your sins and you receive it by grace through faith. You don't have to clean yourself up first. God wants to meet your most extraordinary need, the salvation of your soul. Another need these shepherds had is that their bodies would eventually wear out. In fact, life expectancy around this time was around 40 years old because they didn't have the kind of medical care that we do. And just like them, our bodies will also wear out, whether it's at age 40 or at age 70 or 80 or 90 or even 100. I met a guy the other day. He said, uh, my mom is 98. She just got COVID-19 and just got over it at 98. That's incredible. But no matter what, all our bodies wear out eventually. It's one of our most extraordinary needs. And Jesus came to this world to free us from death and to free us from slavery to sin. You know, earlier we talked about this idea of something blocking your view of God some need in your life that's pressing in on you and you feel like you can't see God because of that thing. And here's the thing, God wants to appear to you in that need, in that ordinary thing that might be painful. It might be causing you anxiety. God wants to meet you right there. And I wanna give you from this story of the shepherd, three truths about God and you. Each one of these three truths, it's a step that you can take to meet God in your ordinary and experience him in extraordinary ways. Here's step number one. God meets you where you feel too dirty or if you feel unqualified. These shepherds were too dirty and they were unqualified to go into the temple, which represented God's presence. And so God sent his presence to them. And God is sending his presence to you today. I wonder whether you're a longtime believer or maybe you're someone who's still not sure what you believe. Where do you feel like you're too dirty for God? Where do you feel like you're not qualified? Where do you least expect God to show up in your life? Where have you maybe let your past failures or what others say define you as unqualified? Whatever that thing is in your life, let me just speak this scripture over you. This is from the word of God. It says, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. If you will believe in Jesus today for the forgiveness of your sins, it makes you qualified where you're unqualified. It makes you pure where you were impure. It makes you strong where you were weak. Look at this in verse nine. It says, this angel of the Lord, messenger of almighty God appeared to these shepherds who lived in the field. 
and the glory of the Lord shone around them. I mean, this is something we can't even really comprehend because we haven't experienced it, but this bright light shines around them and they are terrified because of the glory of God. But look at what the angel says to them. It says, do not be afraid. I'm here to bring you good news. Now that word good news, if you ever hear people say the gospel, that's exactly what this word is, the good news. Uh, the Greek word is euangelion. In fact, my daughter Evie, uh, her full name is Evangeline, which is the English version of euangelion, the good news or the gospel. In other words, this isn't just good news like, hey, it's a happy headline in the newspaper or at CNN.com or somewhere. No, this is the defining good news of all human history, that almighty God would break into our world in human form as the Messiah to pay the penalty for our sins and to open a gateway and a path into an eternal life with God. This is the good news, the gospel. And this angel says, I bring you the good news and it will cause great joy. For who? For all people. This isn't just for some. This is available to anyone. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There's only one way to heaven, but it's open to everyone. It's open to all people. Most importantly, it's open to you today. Well, the angel continues. He says, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, fully God, fully man, the Lord, which means God. Now, when we hear this word savior, it's easy to hear it in a church context and to think of it as some religious term. But savior isn't necessarily a religious term. It's a literal thing. You see, a savior is one who can do things for you that you can't do for yourself. So here's my question for you today. Where is it that you can't save yourself? Maybe it's your marriage that your spouse is just like, you know what, I'm, I, I can't do this anymore. And you think I'm trying to change. I can't be who they want me to be. I just can't save myself. Or I just can't get my finances under control. Or I just can't stop, uh, you know, drinking alcohol or something else that, you know, is causing me to do unhealthy things. I just can't stop myself or help myself. A savior is one who can save you when you can't help yourself. And I want you to think today of Jesus in the present tense. I want you to invite him today to be your savior right now, where you have things in your life that you can't fix. I love it that when John the Baptist, who was Jesus' cousin, who was a, a prophet, who said, here's God's chosen Messiah, when he announced him, he said this in John 1, behold or look, the Lamb of God, we understand that now, who takes away the sin, the shortcoming of the world. All the shortcomings in your life, all the sins, all the mistakes have been taken away by Jesus' work on the cross. Have you believed in him as your savior? Do you know Jesus as your savior for those needs of eternal life and forgiveness of sin? But do you also know him for your most present needs? Well, there's a second way these shepherds moved from ordinary to extraordinary, and it's this, God invited them into the extraordinary. Remember, these angels come and they say, uh, in Bethlehem, the Messiah has been born. Well, they were near Bethlehem, but they weren't in Bethlehem. They were on the outskirts of it. 
And so these shepherds are going to have to make a choice. God is inviting them into the most extraordinary story in all of human history. But they have to choose, will they go? Will they join God? Will they take him up on his invitation? You know, God's inviting you today. He's saying, I want you to be part of my story. I want to work in your life and bring you great joy, but then I want to work through your life to bring great joy to others. Look at verse 15 of Luke 2. It says, when the angels had left them and gone back into heaven, the shepherds look around and they're talking to each other and they say, I love these two words, let's go, right? God says, hey, my Messiah has been born. Look for a baby in a manger. Probably to anyone else that would seem so weird. Maybe that's part of why he picked the shepherds. I don't know. But he says, go look for a baby in a manger in Bethlehem. And these shepherds, I love it. Once the angels leave, they could have looked at each other and been like, well, that was weird. Did you see the same thing I saw? Like, did we eat something? Like, what's, what's going on? And they could have said, ah, I don't know. This is just too bizarre. But I love it that they look at each other. And what do they say? Let's go. Let's see. If God's inviting us to be part of something he's doing in the world, let's go do it. Let's be part of it. I just love their spirit. I love the free will of this. The shepherds made a choice. And if they had made a different choice, they would have missed out on being part of the most extraordinary story in human history. Let's go see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And then check out this next verse. So they hurried off. So do you see it in those three verbs? Let's go, let's see, and they hurried. Their will, they applied their will to say, we're gonna join God in what God is doing in our lifetime. Even if it's totally unexpected, even if it looks different than what religious people say, they go, they find Mary and Joseph, they find the baby who's lying in the manger. Here's my question for you. Where God is at work in the world today, he's inviting you to be part of it. He's inviting you here at Connection Point. If you're not yet in one of our small groups, you can text the word groups to us and we'll get you into a small group today. Why? Because this is where we see God work in our lives. Or if you're not sure what you believe, you can text the word next. Or if you wanna join our church officially, text the word next to the number on our screen. Well, there's a brother in our church who's been following God, taking God up on this invitation, and he has said, let's go. Meet Robbie. Robbie grew up right here in central Indiana. In fact, he was part of our youth group. We call it our student ministry when he was a high school student. Well, Robbie got invited to go on a mission trip. That's when we go tell people about Jesus who live in other parts of the world. Robbie said, let's go to God, and I want you to see how God worked in Robbie's heart. My name is Robbie Brandcamp, uh, preparing to be a missionary to Muslim refugees in Greece. I didn't really get the interest to explicitly be a missionary, uh, to be in missions or to be a missionary until my senior year in college at Taylor. And that's kind of also where Greece came in because um, I went on a short-term trip for the month of January, my senior year, and we went to Greece to work with refugees. And I absolutely just hated my experience. I hated the entire month that I was there. 
Um, which isn't the story, I guess, that you typically hear when someone says, oh, how was your mission trip experience? It sucked, <laughs> and I was so mad, and all of that anger was 100% directed towards God. And I was demanding answers for this and demanding answers for that and saying, God, you look right here where I'm looking, and you tell me about how good you are, and you tell me about how all-powerful you are, because no, I don't see it. God, I can look out here and I can tell you these people are gonna die if you don't do anything because their tent is soaked, their bodies are soaked, their clothes, everything. I'm asking you every day to make it stop raining. You're not making it stop. Why could you do it then, but not now? It was almost like God just said, Rob, you wanna know how much I love these people. You wanna know how much it breaks my heart to see this happen to my creation, my creation, not yours. You wanna know what I want for them? Then I'm gonna share a piece of my heart for them with you so that you feel how much I love them and you feel all the heartbreak that's going on for me to look down and see this. And you feel everything that I want for them. That's so much bigger and more grand than you could ever hope for or imagine. <laughs> so he did and then he was like, all right, Rob, how much do you love these people? How much do you care for them? How much are you willing to like, work for their life? Um, and I just thought, God, I wanted you to do something just like super big. You know, you're a miracle worker. What a great place for a miracle, right? Especially in a, in a community of Muslim people who don't know the truth of Jesus. Miracle, bam, they all know the truth. Instead, you're gonna ask me, to do this thing, oh, come on, it's not what I wanted at all. But eventually it progressed and I just started to really love um, Muslim culture and Muslim people and grew to become really interested in their belief system and their mentality, how they work, how they view Christianity. And especially as it relates to uh, Muslim refugees, I thought like, man, I just want so much life for them I think because of that, I wanted to go back to the place that had caused so much spiritual turmoil in my own life. And I wanted to confront that head on in a different way, having already worked through this process of anger. It was then where I felt like God was able to say, all right, Rob, you've been here once and you just, you got that shock out of your system. We worked through it. And it, all of that is still there, but I want you to open your eyes to the deeper things spiritually that are happening in this camp. And these are the things that I want to fix. And these are the things that I want to restore and reconcile and bring back to life. And it was in seeing those things where I just thought like, all that anger that was towards God, all of a sudden became this ball of fury that was towards the devil. And I said, God, put me in the game. I'm tired of being on the bench. You tell me where to punch and I'm gonna punch. You tell me where to go and I'm gonna do it. But these are your people and I'm not letting Satan convince them that they're his. And it was, it was kind of through that where I thought, this place is no longer hell on earth. It can be a stronghold for the kingdom but it's all God's grace, it's all God's spirit, it's all the power of Jesus' name. Put me in the game, I'm ready. Man, Robbie, 
We are so proud of you. In fact, Robbie just left this month for Greece where he's working with those refugees from Muslim countries, uh, people who are in such physical need, people who have had to flee their homes because of war. I mean, could you imagine your street being bombed and taken over by militants and you can just grab a few things and your loved ones and, and you run to get onto a bus or a motorcycle or something and you get out just to save your life and then you flee to another country and there's fences and there's not really yet a system for you to get in. What would it be like to have to leave your home because of war in Syria? To have your, your neighborhood bombed and taken over by militants and you literally have to flee all you can grab is maybe a few family photos and your loved ones and you have to flee on foot or getting a ride on a bus and then you get to a country and they've got all these gates up. These people are hurting so desperately. And as Robbie's ministering to them, his heart was just breaking. And I love the authenticity with which he said, God, how could you let this be? God, how could you let there be such pain in the world? And I just want to encourage you, whatever it is that's blocking you and God, keep taking it to God and say, God, why is there cancer? Why is there pain? Why is there suffering? Keep bringing it to God. He invites you to bring your things to him. And that's when you join him in his extraordinary story of taking what was meant for evil and turning it for good. And as Robbie kept bringing that to God, God transformed him to see God's not the author of this pain. Satan is. And God came into this world to resolve that pain. You know, it's so interesting if we really think about it. We might live in more comfortable homes and have clean clothes, but really this entire world is a refugee camp because of sin and what it has done to our bodies and our life expectancy because of sin and what it does to our relationships and our relationship with God, we're all refugees, shivering in cold separation from God, in the hopelessness of death and sickness. What did God do when he saw us in that situation? He didn't look away. He didn't ignore us. He was born into the camp, born into a manger, and the very first people his angels told were other people there in the camp. Jesus, almighty God, born to a poor family in a rural community, in a part of the world that hasn't had peace ever since the Garden of Eden. That part of the world has been torn by war and conflict. And into that darkness came the light of the world, the Prince of Peace. I love it that God now has put us on mission to tell the world that there's hope in Jesus. Now, I just want to encourage you to join us in this mission. If you were moved by Robbie's story, you can text the word missions to us today. Why? Well, because we have a whole missions team here. Like I said, we have 26 missionaries we support. Not only do we support these missionaries financially every month, but we also support them with prayer. We support them emotionally and relationally. You can become part of one of these support teams for one of our 26 missionaries. Or maybe God's moving in your heart to give. The first $10,000 of our offering this weekend are all going to send Robbie off. And the money from our offerings every weekend is what supports him and our other 25 missionary partners all around the world. Well, there's a third way that we move from the ordinary in our life 
and we take God up on his offer and he starts to do extraordinary things in our lives. And it's this, God wants to send you with his good news of Jesus that brings great joy for all people. In other words, whether God calls you to Greece like Robbie or calls you to actively be part of what God's doing right here in central Indiana and around the world through Connection Point, say, God, I want to go and tell others about you. I love that the shepherds did this. Look at this in verse 17. It says, after they had seen Jesus, what did they do? They spread the word concerning what had been told about the child. In other words, what happened to the shepherds, it was so moving, it was so life-changing that they couldn't help but go and tell others. You know, Robbie's heart had to be broken in that refugee camp. And in that, he met God in a new way. You know, God uses us where our hearts are broken to meet other people. I wonder who in your life is your heart breaking for? Who in your life do you want to be in heaven with you? You know, Robbie in this life is gonna have to endure some discomfort as he lays down his life to reach others. But it'll be so worth it having a broken heart at times in this world because there will be people in heaven for all of eternity. You know, Jesus wants to use you wherever you go. He sends us into our world's most ordinary moments, our workplaces, our neighborhoods, our schools. Why? So that we can help meet their most extraordinary need by introducing them to Jesus. I love it as the shepherds went and told others about Jesus. Look at verse 18. It says, all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. All who heard it were amazed. I told you earlier about our Christmas Eve service. And as I was watching this last week, some of the pieces we have for that service. And guess what? I got chills. I was crying. I was amazed. Why? Because the very spirit of God is present already in our Christmas Eve service. I love it that God's not limited by time. And I want to ask you this. Who can you invite to meet Jesus this Christmas Eve? Earlier, I talked about Eric whose life has changed because someone invited him to Connection Point about 10 months ago. For Christmas Eve, we've got services online, in person, and at our drive-in movie screen in the front parking lot. So there is something for everyone, no matter where they live in the world. Who can you invite to join us for Christmas Eve? Who can you join God and you say, God, let's go. Let's get that coworker into heaven. Let's get that classmate or that relative. If you want to join us in inviting for Christmas Eve, text this word invite to 317-350-1996. We'll text you right back with an invite that you can just then text to your friends. As we close, let's realize that every person has something from which they cannot save themselves. Every person on the street where you live, every person where you work, every person in your family, And when we have God's heart toward them, our heart will break and we'll go out of our way, just like Robbie and just like Jesus, to let them know there's good news, there's great joy, and it's available for all people. A Savior is born. Father, as we approach our Christmas services, Lord, I pray for every one of our people, thousands of us, that every single one of us would invite at least one 
that many of us would invite two or three or five or 20. And Lord, that there will be so many people who you love, ordinary people, people who need a savior, who will meet you this Christmas Eve, sitting in our front parking lot, watching on the drive-in screen, sitting all around the world, watching online, sitting in this very room. God, would you bring the hope and the life and the great joy to many people? Would you use us just like you're using our brother, Robbie? We pray in Jesus' name, amen.